Are you feeling unfulfilled in your career and tired of living for the weekend? Do you want to create a life and business you don't need a vacation from? I'm your host, Wendy Schultz, and this is Create a Life You Don't Need a Vacation From podcast. Hello and welcome to Create a Life You Don't Need a Vacation From podcast. I have on with me today, Carmelia Ray, and um, she's another in our series of entrepreneurs that I'm looking to hear some inspiring stories about how people have gone from a corporate position to taking a big leap of faith and jumping out into the world of entrepreneurship. So thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Love talking about this topic. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? And I just love the different stories and how people try, you know, start in different positions and how they end up where they end up. So I appreciate you being on today. Why don't you start by introducing yourself? So I'm Carmelia Ray. I'm a celebrity matchmaker and online dating expert. I help single entrepreneurs and business owners find love both online and offline. And I'm also a TV personality with uh, my own show that has been uh, four seasons now called Mom vs. Matchmaker. And it's a dating competition show where I compete against a mother to see who is a better matchmaker for their kid. <laughs> that is so awesome. So yeah. that, it's just super fascinating that you got into this. How did you get into this? Oh my gosh. So my career in matchmaking uh, started in 1992. I was in my early 20s, and this is before Facebook and Match.com actually launched in 95. This is the area of dial-up, okay, ladies and gentlemen. So um, I have seen the dating platform and dating journey transform over the last, you know, 30 years. So way back when my ex-boyfriend at the time, we were very good friends, he was working in the call center, and he said, you know... Carm, you should, you know, work for this dating company. And I'm like, what are you, what's a dating, what's a matchmaking company? It's a dating service. And so my job when I had applied was to work in the call center and I would speak to people who had an interest in matchmaking. Back then, this company used to send forms out by Canada Post or US Post. So you'd get a letter in the mail and singles would it, it on right on the envelope it said are you single and so you know people would fill it out postage paid envelope it would come back and in our call center and i would call people that were curious about matchmaking so my job was to book appointments uh, for people to come in and meet with a relationship consultant so they can learn about matchmaking and when i think about it now like 30 years ago matchmaking was not really mainstream. And even today, Wendy, when I say to people, I'm a matchmaker, it still surprises. What does that mean? Like a lot of people that, that my business, my full-time career is putting people together, like helping someone, you know, introduce them to someone that's compatible to them. So that was my journey. Started as a part-time job in a call center, realized it was really good at connecting with people by the phone and and it ended up being my lifelong passion until uh 2010 when i decided to start my own business so what gave you the inkling that you need you wanted to start your own business and go out on your own that wow there it's a long story <laughs> i'll try to summarize it um i met my current business partner patrick benetti and 
we met at an event and he was, uh, his business, he's my webmaster, his business was creating blogs and websites for entrepreneurs. And when we met, he had said he always wanted to work with somebody who knew about the dating space. So when we met at the time, I'd already had 15 years of experience working in matchmaking. And he's like, wow, you should start a blog. And I'm like, what's a blog? Why would I start a blog for, right? And he's like, well, you have so much great information and you can actually monetize this blog and make money and share your advice. And, and the funny thing is I did have a lot of advice and not everybody's talking about matchmaking. They don't really even know what's involved. So I started a, um, a website. Uh, a dating advice blog. It's called datingloveandsextips.com. Started writing for that. And then the company I was with, and I thought, what a great idea to also generate interest and leads for the company that was I was working for. Like if I have this blog and I can generate my own leads, because it's only going to be helpful to the company I was with to, to create more awareness around this industry, that would be great. But funny enough, the company I had been with at the time didn't like the idea that I was starting a blog and that I was going to share my matchmaking secrets with the world, right? I started attending conferences. There were actual conferences annually, just like real estate agents have conferences or entrepreneurs have conferences. There's actually a conference called iDate. So iDate was an annual conference. They did four conferences a year where, where dating site owners and operators and matchmakers got together and in the industry and talked about you know, how they helped singles. I started attending these conferences and the company was like, you can't go to those conferences. You're not allowed to share your secrets and you definitely can't start a blog and tell people how to meet each other. That's what we do. And so it came to the point where they basically said you either, you know, do the blog full time, but you can't uh, run our company. And I was really at the, I was an executive regional manager. I was the running the sales for both the in-person sales and call center. So I was running the entire call center for this company, very, very much involved in the marketing and, and all of the, the, the behind the scenes work to get people on board. And I don't think they ever thought in a million years that I was going to leave, right? So because I had a six-figure salary, comfortable, I'd worked my way up a long time, and then I had a blog that made no money. So it was like, but if I started, I knew that I had enough bandwidth and experience to jump ship, start on my own. And it's too bad because they could have worked with me, but it, it ended up being all right, I'm ready to go. It was very scary at the time because I had two young children, a mortgage, uh, you know, a family to support. And I had a very comfortable, uh, you know, salary with benefits. And then it's like my jump to entrepreneurship to make zero money. You know, <laughs> oh. I did it. And so, and here I am three years later after that decision, I actually got casted for the television show mom versus matchmaker because I had built enough of a brand, um, recognition. If you Google me now, Carmelia Ray, I mean, there's so much about me and my involvement in the dating industry, but in 2010 or 11, if you Googled me, I was nowhere. You wouldn't have I wasn't anybody. I wouldn't have had, the only proof was that I, I, I had a job for 15 years working for another company. So that was proof I was in the industry, 
but not on my own. So that was my, my decision to, to jump ship. That's awesome. So what was that first year like when you, the first year when you've got kids to support and a mortgage <laughs> and no money coming? Well, firstly, for anybody who's listening, I'm, of course, because I'm a mother, I was married at the time, but very shortly after, was I, was I in 2000? Oh, I was divorced. Sorry. I was actually already divorced in 2010. So I practically was a single mother Gosh. with a mortgage and two young kids. My kids were, my son was probably three and my daughter was, was 10. Like those were the ages of my kids at the time. I did have a nanny um, that was helping me because I am a single parent and I worked a lot. I, I worked a lot of hours. So the first year I didn't do this without thinking ahead, right? Without thinking how much time do I have? How many, how many, um, how much resources do I have towards like sink or swim? Right. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had, I had about two years worth of, in my mind, based on my expenses and what I could live with. And they weren't, they were a lot of expenses to be honest with you. I was like, all right, I got to sink or swim in two years. So it was scary. I didn't, I didn't start making money and I actually did not replace my income until about, um, two years later, it was that I replaced my income, but I had used a lot of resources to get myself off the ground and to write and, uh, you know, share my knowledge with people. Uh, so it, it was very scary in the first year, but what I did know is I knew that I would be successful in this industry because I had helped so many companies, um, turn disaster into profit. So I was an expert in communication, an expert in sales and marketing in my niche. And, and to the point where I started consulting for other matchmakers. So even though I wasn't generating my own income with my clients, I now started teaching people what I had learned behind the scenes, building a multi-million dollar company in matchmaking. They, they were, they did a lot of revenue. So our revenue was around 400 to 600,000 a month in matchmaking sales. And I had worked for another company, helped launch another company. Several companies hired me afterwards to launch their businesses in virgin territories. So I've been responsible for helping startups in the industry since then, taking my expertise and then decided, well, I'm just going to use those skills and develop my own business, which is where I'm at now, where I'm just taking everything that I've learned, using it for myself. And I'm actually in the middle of launching matchmakingacademy.com where I'm going to be teaching people who want to date, oh no, not people who want to date, people who would like to become a matchmaker or dating coach. And I'm certifying them through all the, all the years of knowledge I put into this program. It's called matchmakingacademy.com. It's launching very soon. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. One evolution in matchmaking has been really, if you think about it, I mean, I remember when people had to be like, I met someone online, you know, well, I know. And it was now so, it's know, like, I'm you know what, Wendy, it's not different. There are, I work with, particularly when I work with some high profile clients or those that are public figures. And, you know, when Martha Stewart was found on match.com or when Raya in LA is now, Oh my God, Megan, you know, Fox is, I, I don't think it was Megan Fox. I forget which one it is, but there's so many celebrities that have been, you know, trying these dating apps and people are like, Oh my God, like they had to resort to that. It's still, there still unfortunately is a bit of a stigma 
about being online, you know, uh, like that you have to resort to that. And frankly, there's still a stigma in having to hire a matchmaker. And I think there's still a lot of work to do in sharing with people what they're actually investing in. It's not like, I don't want to pay for a match. It's like, no, it just says you have a service to help you you know, like whatever business that you're in, in vacation properties or helping, like, I don't want to do my taxes. I have no interest in doing my own taxes. So I'm going to pay somebody for that matter. I don't want to change my oil and I don't want to, you know, I I hired a a lawyer to do my divorce. So we, we have professionals in every area of our life. And when it comes to dating, it's it's simply an air, an important area of your life that you could use support in. And so when somebody looks at it in that perspective versus they're paying for a match, you know, like I, people are not commodities that we, you know, buy and trade and sell. So just helping people to get around that context of, of, of the assistance that I can um, share, uh, provide someone, right? By saving them that time and energy and making sure when they are being introduced through a matchmaking process, this is somebody that already has all of the foundational compatibility. They, your lifestyle, attitude, values, goals are all aligned. They're all matched versus in the real world, you know, people have a tendency to mirror what you say, oh yeah, I like that too. And then, you know, the, the, the comfort zone, now you're both comfortable. Ah, you know, I just said that because I wanted to impress you, but I actually hate golfing, you know? So. Well, talk a little bit about, and um, just even the, the love, ma- the love process, finding love when you're an entrepreneur and a celebrity, those are two difficult positions to be in. I would think to find someone who understands yeah. Well, for, first of all, you know, do you classify yourself, Wendy, as an entrepreneur? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the entrepreneur lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. And there are so many um, uh, do, do's and don'ts with dating an entrepreneur. And there are, you know, like we tend to um, not have a, a work clock. Our clock is kind of 24 hours. And for me, you have like my husband, my children are like, mommy, like take a break. You know what I mean? Like you need to take a break. So because we're so passionate about what we do, it's so like work and, and, and fun. There's no separation, right. And, and life. So that's one thing. The other aspect of it, when you're a celebrity or you're an a, a public figure entrepreneur, all eyes are on you. Right. And so that being said, your private life, they want their private life to be private. And at the same time, it's not, everybody's curious. Yeah. Who are they dating? What are they doing? And so, you know, I, I often borrow the, the quote from Sheryl Sandberg that says the most important career decision you'll make is the person you marry. And so it's so important um, for entrepreneurs and celebrities to find a great partner and a lasting partner. Because as you know, in the celebrity world in particular, it seems like celebrities are switching partners every, you know, six months or, or, or who's that person with? Who's the flavor of the month now, right? So, and it's not because they, they have an inability to connect. I, but some, sometimes the, the convenience, the, the time and place, you're just both there. It's, you're, 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 you're getting together with someone like everyone else. Celebrities and entrepreneurs are people at the end of the day. You take away their status, you take away their wealth, 
they're human beings. And as human beings, we make mistakes. As human beings, we're attracted to what we're attracted to. We're not focused necessarily on that deeper compatibility. We just jump in, ooh, it's lust over love in the beginning. So it's the same thing that happens for entrepreneurs and and for celebrities. They, they get together in relationships based on initial attraction without really knowing if this person is truly compatible with them. So uh, those are the other considerations. The other aspect of it is the lifestyle match, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody wants a nine to five person versus an entrepreneur are completely different lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And and for some entrepreneurs, uh, it can be frustrating or they have to understand that the person who works nine to five does has to ask permission and, and might be limited to two week vacation. What do you do in that case? Uh, either you, you, you take that on and you say, okay, well, you got to quit your job in order to date me. And you're comfortable with that because that's the trade-off. Not everybody can, and, and they've got kids, right? I, I um, just interviewed a recent entrepreneur he has homes in five different um, cities and his ideal partner would travel with him, meaning she's going to go where he goes and that's what he wants. And I'd said to him, so what's that going to look like if she has her own career? He goes, well, I'm going to give her the choice. You either, you know, travel with me and come and give that up. And this is what you're, you know, subscribing to, or, you know, you work and, and do that. And who knows? I don't think at, at the, I think at the end of the day, in his particular situation, he has to find someone that can travel, that is comfortable. And some people don't want to give that up. You know, two entrepreneurs together, <laughs> that can be very challenging too. So how do you prioritize that? So it's really about figuring out the right fit, both for lifestyle, um, priority, raising kids. There, there's just so many moving parts to the whole the matchmaking aspect of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I'm married to someone who I became an entrepreneur after we were married. So that was a transition period too of like the nine. Is he five. in a job right now? He works for the business now. So now, but he didn't yeah. before, correct? Well, he worked now. Yeah. And so I'll give an example. I, I mean, my career, ever since I, I started going to, doing television, which when you're on set and you're doing TV for that time, time frame, there's not much else that you can do. You're literally devoted to this, the production schedule. I had season two of Bomb versus Matchmaker. I gave birth to my daughter and four weeks later, I needed to be on set. In fact, I got pregnant in between the break unexpectedly. So I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And at the same time, if I wasn't an entrepreneur and if my partner, you know, he had to give up uh, his career to a degree so that I could flourish in my career and one of us could take care of the child. Yeah. And it was him who sacrificed, you know, his career because we didn't want to have a nanny take care of our child. Mm -hmm. So that was a conversation that an agreement that we needed to, to settle on. It wasn't always, it wasn't always easy. So the fact that I, I, I am an entrepreneur and that my income um, was able to support him giving up, um, you know, that income is great. Now, if he was in a job, 
sometimes jobs, employers are like, well, that's too bad. Great for you to have a baby or this or that, but like, how does that, that's your deal. It's not our deal. Right. So it's, it's very, uh, it can be very challenging uh, when you are work when you're dating somebody in a very different lifestyle. For some people, they like the fact that one partner has a certain stability and a certain kind of, of, of a schedule and routine uh, because some people don't really like that that um, lack of stability and and spontaneity of the next paycheck. It also depends on where you're at in your entrepreneur journey. Mm-hmm. It, in the beginning of my entrepreneur journey, it was scary, and I had to be very frugal and extremely selective about what I spent money on. Yeah, and you know until and even now, you know I, we met through a PR group, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And that was an, a group I invested in. So I'm always making decisions of where, what's the best use of my dollar? What do, I, what do I have to invest in? You know, how do I allocate resources? And when all those resources and, and income is dependent on how well I, I provide service and, and, and what I'm offering, right? Um, so there's so much to think about when you're dating an entrepreneur and if you are an entrepreneur looking to date, because not everybody knows what they're in for and what kind of ride <laughs> there is in dating an entrepreneur. It's not, it's like a roller coaster. It could be thrilling yeah. and you, you're, you could have like butterflies work both ways, right? It's like, ah. <laughs> the highest highs and sometimes the lowest lows and it could all be yeah the highest highs and the lowest lows like if so many entrepreneurs as well have been bankrupt Mm -hmm. i don't know if these entrepreneurs that have made multi-millionaire one day broken bankrupt the next day and then they're back on it right so that's stressful (laughs) it's stressful but it also speaks to the resilience of an entrepreneur is that okay, oops, that didn't work. Let's move on. Where some people, you know, like- Yeah, it also depends on the where you came, like your background and upbringing. I am a um, child of, a, of an immigrant family. So my parents immigrated from the Philippines when I was really young at two. We had extremely humble beginnings. So I know what it's like to not have much, right? And so not having much is not unfamiliar to me. If I have a lot, I'm grateful. If I have a little bit, oh, well, I've been here before, right? So it's, it's just that balance of knowing. But what I love about, my, about being an entrepreneur is that I, I, I really do get to pick and choose how I spend my time. I work from home. Um, I'm working from home from the pandemic, but I've always worked from home. I'm a member of a uh, global member of the Soho House. So I used to meet clients there. I love the energy and the vibe. It's like, so I meet, I, meet, I meet a lot of my clients in their homes privately. So I don't really need that, that office space or address. Like my home is, is my office really. And this is, the new inter- this is the new normal for conducting interviews for me is Zoom and video calls. But nothing will ever replace the in-person you know, kind of connection. I think it's so important. That's been the biggest challenge for me now is making connections in this time because there are some people that want and need the physical kind of contact and then those that like because we're in a bit of a scary time they're like nope video's great phone call's great we're good we're, that's good for now 
Yeah, it has been um, a really good time for me to, I, I mean, I, I use Zoom with my college friends. We would never have done this before, you know, and, and just um, some of the innovation just from having go, gone through this now, connecting with people that I would normally have had to wait or thought I had to wait to see them in person. Yeah, and great. you know, video is the kind of like the new normal where phone calls were, you know, phone calls now it's it's no problem. Hey, you want to Zoom or let's hop on a call. Like text texting is uh, like first grade communication, right? Most people want to jump to, well, I want to see you. I want like particularly in my industry where where people want to connect. And, and Zoom is just so standard now, whether it's Zoom or Skype or, or WhatsApp, right? So I think that's been a massive shift in how I communicate and how I'll conduct business moving forward is being more open and ready to have these kinds of dialogues and discussions. So you, you all, almost, I'm almost always have to get up and put a face on, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish that part didn't happen, you know, like, I mean, I bet I'm sure I could speak to people without, you know, doing this, but I don't know what kind of impression I'm going to make rolling out of bed. But the thing uh, it's also been nice about this too, is that people are starting to be more real. It's like, here I'm in my daughter's bedroom. I have a crappy background, crappy lighting, and it's just, yeah, you know, her dogs are going to bark and kids are going to come by and it's just, yeah. Uh, same thing here, like my toddler, thank goodness, I have 21, 15, and 3, so house is normally pretty, pretty uh, busy yeah. and noisy, but I've turned my living room into a studio, and we don't eat on the table anymore, it's like, yeah, I know. like, get everything off the table in order to have dinner, and they just see, look, hold on, this is like, yep. They just see lights everywhere. Oh, there you go. There's technology and there's like microphones all over the place. So it's, it's just the, it's just what is happening right now. Right. So. Yeah. And it speaks to what you said before about humans are humans are humans. And um, I know we, the PR firm that we both work with, Chris Winfield will just say the exact same thing. It's like, celebrities um people in the media they're just human beings and we all yeah they're just human beings y'all have so, kids and, um, dogs and you know <laughs> yeah they're just human. So, so you know the, the the most important part of of working with entrepreneurs and celebrities that i've discovered is uh, uh they're they're just like other people now they have different sets of concerns mm -hmm. and so it's being mindful that you know somebody who's meeting them understands you know, that lifestyle and, and understands the demands that it takes. Cause you, your people have obtained that certain level of success because of their focus and because of their commitment. And at the same time, you know, you, a lot of people don't realize that to have that kind of success in your personal life also requires a similar focus, a similar dedication and a similar amount of time. I mean, people spend 60, 70 hours a week on, on, building their bank account, how much time are you spending on, on meeting the right people or, or getting out there? It's like, there's gotta be give and take in order to, to do that. And that's where, where I come in. And that's where people who are working with me have an expectation that, that I'm going to devote that time and energy into helping connect them with the right people because they don't have it.
that's awesome. Yeah, it's a very good way for them to be, I mean, kind of efficient in finding the right person because so many people will go out and date and date and date and date all these different people and find out it's not a good match. Um, yeah, you know, it's so funny because I have singles that love dating and I have singles that hate dating. It's like, just match me with the one person. Where <laughs> I'm right. I'm like, okay, coming right up. It doesn't usually happen that way. I wish, but you know, it takes, but every, every match, every potential introduction is, is somebody that has a higher likelihood of turning into something long-term because the work was done in advance to make sure that both people are, are equally aligned. They share the same vision. Uh, where again, if you're out there in the real world, oh, he's cute. Oh, I yeah. should probably ask if uh, he wants to have kids. I want to, I should ask like what he does for a living. Is he even single? So there, there's all those things that you have to go through. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, um, your family, your family was, were immigrants. Did that, um, did you have more risk tolerance growing up or did you, a lot of people have a hard time moving from corporate into entrepreneurship because of the risk involved. Do you feel that you, that was something you had to develop or does that something that you kind of grew up with? I'm Asian. I'm, I'm Canadian, uh, Filipino Canadian. Uh, my parents are Asian and stereotypically like, <laughs> uh, like overachievers in a way, like academics was really important. I had to study, get A pluses. Like if I got an, if I got a B plus or anything less than an A or A plus, it was like the worst, right? Mm -hmm. I was, <laughs> uh, so with respect to risk tolerance, it's funny because my mother and father both worked in jobs. None of, neither were entrepreneurs. My mother was a chartered accountant who always worked in a job, whether that was nine to five or nine to nine. My dad was a um, nuclear engineer. He also had a job working for Ontario Hydro, various places, but they were, they were both extremely hardworking people. Mm -hmm. So to me, a huge risk is leaving a country with three little children and a thousand dollars in your pocket to a foreign country, to another country where they were the pioneers. My parents were both the eldest of all of their children, of all of their siblings, to which there were 11 each. They were the, el my mom and dad happened to be the eldest in very large families, so they had large responsibilities. So I think the fact that they were so hardworking and that their risk to immigrate to Canada in itself was a big risk and also, they were, they always just taught me that I could do anything. And they always just taught me, oh my God, I'm being emotional. My, I, I lost my father this Aww. year, earlier this year. Uh, he was sick for a long time. But when I think about him and what he left me with, it was just that resiliency, you yeah. know, to, to get out there. So I'm very, I'm a big risk taker. It's so funny. <laughs> Some people would be more conservative when you, when you think, Oh my God, resources are limited. Don't, you know, spend money. And I'm an Aries and I'm true to the Aries trade, even though I'm not big on Zodiacs. Like if you read about Aries, that's me to a T. <laughs> yeah. I like spend money. I'm a risk taker. I will jump. I don't read instructions. I'll start putting things together before we'll figure it out. And it's like, if it takes, oh man, I remember building this shelf one time and I didn't read the instructions and it took me a long time. And then finally, like, <laughs> the one thing that was missing that was out of place, like needed to happen in step one. So I'm like, 
all right, it doesn't always work to not listen. <laughs> Maybe I'm an Aries because I don't read the instructions either. Or leap first. And I'm more of a picture person. So yes, I think my upbringing did lead me to being very risky. And yet my eldest brother, who's wildly successful as well, uh, he is, you know, he has a job. He's always had a job, very different. My, my younger, both my brothers do are very successful, but they took jobs. They, neither of them took the entrepreneurial path, but I was always the kid, the middle child, the troubled one. I was always like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm paving my own way. Like they'll tell you right now, you cannot tell Carmelia what to do. She's just going to do whatever she wants to do to a fault. Uh, so yeah, I'm very much a risk taker, Wendy. And I think it has to do with just knowing that whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to fail forward. I'm going to suck big time and I'll, you know, pick myself up because yeah. I had no money. I'm used to that. We've had that even through my divorce, you know, I've been through financial crisis. So as long as I have a mouth, ears, eyes, nose, health, and I can help other people, uh, the, the reason, the, the potential is unlimited for me to help someone. So I, I don't worry about those things. Talk a little bit about failure because that is another big fear. Oh, what if I fail? What if I lose money? Talk, tell me. Oh, I made many there. mistakes. I've made many mistakes. I think, you know, uh, there was a period in time where, uh, in my business and even on the way to, to building my brand where it felt like I was in, uh, there was a complacency period, you know, where I didn't, I, I, I didn't have motivation for some reason. And I was, I, I, I like everyone else. I think there's a, there's a procrastination gene that is inherently built. Cause I like to chill as much as I like to work. Yeah. I can either go, I'm a work hard, play hard kind of person. Uh, now it's just been pandemic. I've been working super harder than I've ever worked, actually, where people are reading all these, oh, it's relaxed and it's rejuvenated. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my God. I just been like, go, 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 go. I, I you know, I, I burnt out like three, four times in my life. So my failure was uh, sometimes just when it gets so overwhelming, I can go into like, I don't want to do anything mode, yeah. you know? Um, so where the failure comes in is doing too much. Still very, very guilty of that. But when I, because I have a lot of talents, right? A lot of entrepreneurs believe they can conquer it all and do it all and have 10 projects. Like I always think I'm Oprah. I'm not Oprah, but I think I'm Oprah, right? <laughs> or Ellen, or any of the people that, women that I admire that are doing it all. And, and, and I have kids, I have three children of all different ages and a partner and, and a family and all those, and friends that I'm trying to see. So it's just a lot. I think the failure happens when you're, I'm overwhelmed, um, taking on too much, and then not uh, prioritizing my needs and what I need to actually recharge, rejuvenate, and get to a place where my head is clear. I was coaching somebody very recently, a single mother giving you an analogy. I'm like, when you're on a plane and that oxygen mask comes down, where, where do you put it? She's like, my child. 
No, you don't put it on your child. You haven't been paying attention. Like wrong answer. <laughs> well, I do, I'm like, no, you put it on you. You got to put it on you. So for me, that oxygen mask, some, it often does go on other people's faces, other people's businesses, other people's needs. And so I, I've lear I'm learning to put the oxygen mask on myself first. That's where most of my failures have come is in when doing too much or, or, or standing, like just not doing anything at all is, is in the thinking, you know, uh, analysis paralysis. If I do this, you know, it's, it's too much thinking and not enough action, like staring at, I'm not one of my, I'm not a super organized person, right? Like if you looked in my purse, you would probably have anxiety, like real anxiety. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'd probably be fine with your. I have to go clean my car out every month. Like once a month, the kids have to go and open up, like uh, open up my car, and I gotta go detail it, like because it needs it, right? Because yeah. I can't be bothered with that. I'm busy doing stuff. I'll clean it up later. So that's bad. Like that's one of the things that, for me, you know, when 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 th things I start to think too much and not do, action will always um, trump thinking. However, I think it's important to strategize and that as an entrepreneur and as a business person, as a regular person, you, you obviously have to put thought and you should have a plan because, you know, I'm going to say the cliche, if you plan to fail, you fail to plan or if you fail the plan, you plan to fail, right? Yeah. yeah. However, if you've got that good vision, you've done some work, now, now get into action, right? So just be working towards improving towards that goal instead of like thinking, 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 thinking. So my failure in the past has come from either thinking too much or doing too much. Those were the two things. Yeah. Well, and I think you also have to, you have, you don't know the outcome until you start. So you have to take some action, adjust course as necessary because you can't plan for everything that's going to happen. You know, I, I see this all the time with singles who've come to me, particularly a lot of women. Um, well, men and women, it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's actually not gender based. It's they're in their late thirties, early forties, sometimes late forties. They want to have children. They didn't focus on their love life. Uh, and now they want it. And so the pressure is on. Yeah. Not only is the pressure on, they're almost beating themselves up for having, for, for waiting this long. And now there's the added anxiety and added pressure for myself and them to meet this person when, you know, had they had taken care of this, it's kind of like even building your finances. You know, if you're a late bloomer in finances, now you find yourself, oh my gosh, I'm I'm this age, I should have a house, I should have my 401k, I should have this much in the bank and look what I got. Mm -hmm. You know, focusing on what you don't have keeps you in that status of what you don't have. And then when things aren't optimal and you've got a great, like you're just in this constant comparison mode, right? Rather than just being grateful and saying, I am where I am because I am where I am. Like, I can't change that, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just move forward. Let's just accept that we are where we are and move on, right? So it's, it's so challenging for a lot of singles who have that pressure that want to be in a relationship. People who come to me want to be in a relationship. They're ready to invest in their love life because they hadn't before. Or they had, but what they were doing wasn't working. Or they had, but they keep choosing the wrong people. 
And so working with me um, and, and coaches in my industry helps to break those patterns and transform that. That's awesome. What would you tell someone who is looking to start their own business and new in the entrepreneurial space, they're considering leaving corporate? What would you tell them? Have a plan. For sure you want to have a plan. This is not, uh, you know, particularly when you, when you have to figure out what, what's at risk. If you've got children, if you've got bills to pay, if you've got, you know, what's your, what's your monthly number that you need to hit? You, sh- you, sh- you need to know what that number is, right? Because if you go on, what are you going to charge? Who are, you, who are your people going to be? There are so, there's so much work to do before you start a business. And of course, I would say if you're going to go into business for yourself, you want to go into a business, you want to do the market research on the viability of that business. Like what I think of opening a, an in-person restaurant or events company right now, no, I probably wouldn't. Would I think of opening a, a video, you know, a trading company or something to do with like virtual events? Absolutely, because that's what we need right now, right? So, so think about the kind of business that a you really see having, you know, maybe pandemic proof. If anything that I can think about in this time is for single entrepreneurs that have to pivot, what is a business that can be pandemic proof? Now, not everything's going to be pandemic proof, but that certainly is a big consideration knowing what we know now. What kind of business can be pandemic proof? Secondly, how much time do you have? Because I always operate with SMART goals, all right? Anybody can Google that who's listening. Uh, is SMART is specific, measurable, attainable, results-oriented, and timely. You've got to be able to, before you start a business, to know where you're going and how long it's going to take. Because you've got to have a 30-day plan, 60-day, 90-day. Where do you want to be in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, a year from now? And what do you need to do in order to make that happen? Do I suggest people to up and leave and quit and start? I mean, if you can do that and if you have the financial bandwidth to do that, go ahead. Most people don't. Most people have to go part-time first and then, and then make a little bit of income and then do that transition. And yeah. lastly, do something that, as they say, if you do so, doing something you love means you never work a day at all. It does not seem like work. For me to coach somebody, I'm coaching several people right now through their breakups, pandemic breakups. These are people that have been in long-term relationships. All of a sudden, they're going through a divorce. They're going through a breakup, completely unexpected, completely heartbreaking. I'm not even a breakup expert, but I'm a relationship uh, expert, an online dating expert. So I took that on because I have the experience in, in, in order to do that. And I don't say no. I didn't say, no, I don't do that. I figured it out right? I figured out, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Is it with an integrity to offer this? Because sometimes you can fake it till you make it people, especially in people like you are whoever you say you are, as long as you have actions to back that up. So say who you are, what you are and start being in action and doing those things so that you can be really authentic about it. If, to, if today you wake up and say, I am a beauty expert, Where's the proof? You're doing beauty, you're providing tips, you're doing your makeup every day. I mean, I could be a beauty expert. Mm-hmm. I'd have to work hard at it, you know, but I, I know I could. I could be anything that I want to as long as I have that belief and the know-how mm-hmm. and you're constantly, um, you know, in that, in the learning and in the action of doing that. So that's what I would say to an entrepreneur that's looking. Obviously, do, 
do the kind of work where it doesn't feel like work mm-hmm. and continue to continue to uh, continue to grow and study uh, at, at 20, next year will be 29 years that I'll be in the industry and I'm still learning. I'm still reading. I'm still attending conferences. Yeah. I'm still investing in myself and my development and my growth. I, the minute I say that I know it all, I I'm done. Like, yeah. Then I'm in my grave, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I always have to be learning and continuously improving. And yes. otherwise you're just going to get run over by someone else who's doing that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've offered such amazing nuggets of information. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. How can people find you? I'm so easy to find. I made that intentional. So if you can Google Carmelia Ray, my website is carmeliaray.com. My Instagram is carmeliaray. My Facebook is at carmeliaray. Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, it's all Carmelia Ray. Made it super simple for you to find me and that's how you can find me. I'm offering 15-minute free consultations uh, right now for anybody to talk about their dating profile or that they have a burning question. You can find the link in my Instagram. I have a contact page on my website. So please, if you're dealing with an issue or you'd like some dating or relationship advice or are curious about matchmaking, uh, feel free to hit me up on my website or send me a DM on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great Thank you, Wendy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening in to the Create a Life You Don't Need a Vacation From podcast. And if you're ready to create a life and business that you don't need a vacation from, be sure to reach out to me on facebook.com forward slash your permanent vacation. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Have a great day. Take care now. Bye.